0: It's not all put together yet, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to tell a little bit of a funny story. Um, we we've, we've sort of like, cre- we're trying to create, you know, a less institutional feel up here, okay? So we ordered this pipe and drape, and some of you, most of you probably have seen it before. Uh, at conferences, it's usually the stuff that they put behind the stage so that it doesn't look uh, a mess right? It it sort of has like a certain feel. So we ordered this pipe and drape that's going to go around here. It's going to be black. Uh, And so Justin and I showed up this week to set it up. And uh, I said, uh, you know, we pulled all the poles out there. You know, we got the drapes out and they're all set up. And and I said, okay, so where's the bases? And and so we're looking and we pulled through all the boxes. And I was like, well, maybe they're on the porch at my house. Run to the house. They're not on the porch at the house. I said, well, where's the bases? They didn't ship us bases. <laughs> All right, we're not going to have pipe and drape this week. So I went home and I was like, you know, I'm going to like call and be like, hey, you guys didn't send us the bases. Can you like rush ship these to us? Uh, and and uh, so uh, I looked online, you know, it's like get the part number and whatever. And in the fine print, it says bases sold separately. They didn't ship us bases because I didn't order bases. <laughs> and the thing I'm trying to figure out is who orders the uprights and the crossbars and the drape without the bases, <laughs> Right. So uh, that's coming. Uh, we're going to have, this is going to like, the, the way the projector you guys see with the holes and all that stuff is, uh, that's going to be different as we go forward. We're still figuring out how exactly all the sound stuff is going to go. Uh, we really don't want it to look like, you know, Tripwire City back here. So there's a lot yet to do, and yet at the same time, here we are. Like we're here, and one of the things that I, I've thought about a lot is like if you look at like the early days in the vineyard, and you go back and you see this, like there are some really cool pictures of, of like the early, early, early days of the vineyard, and like they didn't even have a projector. Like it, they went in a, a high school. And they're set up in a high school, and there's this little platform that's probably just high enough to get, like, for you to not have the same head level as everybody else. And so they have this little platform. And there's this picture of John Wimber playing the keys and uh, Carl Tuttle on the guitar. And I forget who else is in the picture. Uh, And they're just worshiping. And, like, they have these giant, like, we turned off the fluorescent lights to see how that feels, right? They have these giant, like, gymnasium lights. There's no, like, ambiance or atmosphere there's like no, like, there's no words anywhere. Like the worship songs, there's no, like, nobody passed out sheets of music. There's no projector. There's no, you guys remember the overhead, right? Like the transparencies and you write them. There's not even one of those. And yet, it wasn't necessary. That there's something about like the presence of God being present in a space that it renders everything else irrelevant. Irrelevant. Like, I, I was sitting here thinking, you know, man, like, they oiled the chairs, but they still creak. And I'm like, well, that could be a problem. What about, you know, and I'm just thinking about all these things. There's feedback in the microphone, and there's, you know, like, uh, how are we going to get the, 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 the sub set up right? And I'm just sitting here, like, starting to fret. And I have this, like, just sort of intersecting thought that was, like, what if my presence was the only thing you needed? Like, what if the presence of God was all that we needed in this space? What if that's all we were supposed to be after was the presence of God? And so, like, as we get started, I kind of want to have that in mind. Like, what if all we need is the presence of God? It's cold. It's still cold in here. But what if all we need is the presence of God? I just want want to put that out there before we get started. And, And what I want to start out with today is really just talking about I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this. Like, if you've moved or you shift your routines and habits. Have you ever done that? Like, you move somewhere and it upsets your habit, your routine, and like, all of a sudden, like, all of your priorities are in the air. Have you guys experienced that? Like, maybe you went from high school to college, or you went from one job to another, or you moved from one house to another, uh, you you moved from one city to another, and all of a sudden, all of your priorities kind of go up in the air. It's like somebody threw the all your priority balls up in the air, and it's like, okay, how am I going to organize these? And I, I, uh, I remember this when we moved from Columbus. I had a, a you know, a fairly consistent routine, um, devotional practice, right? I, I like, I, I would have the same time and the same place, the same location in my house. My, like, the order of things was the same, and just the routine helped me. And then we moved here. And I came with no plan for how I was going to replicate that process. And over probably months, I would say it's months, my, my, my devotional life was gone. And I just felt like I was like dying on the vine, right? Like I'm just sort of like, no pun intended, I'm dying on the vine. Um, but I'm in this place of like, I just feel so dry and so alone and so lost And I realized that when all my priority balls got thrown up into the air, I didn't really catch them and organize them again. And that like that, that has like a long-term lasting impact on how you follow Jesus. And I think the same is true. You guys can probably identify that, but I think the same is true for us here, that here we've moved into this new place. Everything is a mess. It's cold. I'm still cold. I should wear long sleeves from now on. I should just wear long sleeves. It's cold. It's like nothing is quite. And yet, like, we're called to, like, let's put the priorities back in order. So, like, I'm not gonna go off on this long new teaching today. What I think we ought to do before we move forward is let's put the priorities back in order in the right place. You know, we unpack them from the boxes that we put them in and let's put them in the right place. You know, there's a lot of new things. Like, we changed the name of the next steps table, and Justin is exactly right. It was not a spiritual thought of, like, let's call it the information table. It's more spiritual. It was like, hey, we have this graphic for a banner, and it says information instead of next steps. Let's just call it that. <laughs> you know, there's, like, banners outside. Like, you are you have to find a new place to park. Like, <laughs> You, some of you, like, you carved out your spot on 11th, 11th Avenue, didn't you? Like, you knew which one was yours. Like, I, it's funny. We had a parking garage for three and a half years, and most of you didn't park in it, which makes no sense to me, but that's okay. Um, but there's a lot, yeah, see? There's a, there's a lot of new things, right? Like, you're trying to figure out the new things. Now here we are, and we're trying to figure out the new things, and yet at the same time, We are unchanged at our core. We're not a different people. This is not a different church. We are the same people in a new place. And so I want to take a minute and I want to come back to what are our priorities? We don't have it on the wall anymore, but we actually have a mission that we would be a community where all people can encounter Jesus, experience reconciliation to God and each other, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to release the kingdom of God. That's, that's the mission we're on. That first and foremost, we want people to meet Jesus in this church. When I think about our neighborhood, first and foremost, I want everybody in every house to meet Jesus. I'm going to tell you, like yeah, the past two days I went to this thing. Uh, it's called Faith Walking. Uh, and you guys will probably hear more about it if you haven't heard of it before. Um, But I was reminded again while I was at Faith Walking of just how like Jesus loves to meet you, like just loves to interact with you. And when you put yourself in a place like, Faith Walking is designed really to um, go back and understand your first formations and how that causes you to live your life now. Uh, That's a really, really short, probably really bad synopsis of what it is, but Essentially, it's sort of going, okay, how was I formed as a kid, and how do I live my life out of that? And what does that look like as far as following Jesus? So I, I, I'm going through this whole two-day thing, and it's, uh, I get near the end of the second day, and I'm just sort of like stirred up. And I just realize inside of who I am that there are like broken places still. I've been following Jesus for 16 years. There's still broken places. And so I'm, you know, I've, you know, going through this thing and I'm really stirred up and I'm aware of my brokenness. And yet, Jesus so loves to meet you in your brokenness. That as I put these things before Jesus and I say, here, here's this mess. He just loves to put you back together. That's what I want for this neighborhood, that, that, that first and foremost in this neighborhood, that each and every person here would meet Jesus, and he so wants to meet them. That has not changed. That has not changed. That's still who we are, that we want to be people who see other people reconciled to God. What does that mean? Well, it means that the relationship between you and God is made right again, which happens through meeting Jesus, Right? It's not like a different thing. And then that we would be a place, we would be a people who train people and lead people in encounter with the Holy Spirit such that they would be able to further the rule and reign of God. That's the the releasing of the kingdom of God. That in this neighborhood, God's rule and reign would come to bear. That we would be people who are training people and equipping people and releasing people to release the kingdom of God. That has not changed about who we are. We're here in a new place, and yet we're still on the same mission, in a new location. I think about our our values. Some of you don't, you know, if you haven't been to the Welcome to Vineyard class, we're going to have one in May. Um, But we talk about our values, like that first and foremost, we are worshipers of God. That has not changed. That we take this time and we, and we intentionally engage in worship of God. And here's the cool part. that You know, one of the things I loved about this space, and I said it at the beginning, is like, this is worship of God. This art is worship of God. There are people who want to dance to worship God, and there's space in here to do that. I mean, maybe, I mean, some of you are like, you know, you need a whole, a whole floor, like, but there's like space to worship God, that we, we want to be people who worship God. The second thing is that we're a community, that, pri- that we are primarily a community. We're not a, a, a place. I said this three and a half years ago when we first started having services, and there's like four people in this room that were in that room. So I can say it again, and it sounds like it was new. Um, but God forbid this ever be a place you go, that the vineyard would be a place you go rather than a family you belong to. I can't imagine anything more tragic than being a location. And the the beautiful thing, if there is a beautiful thing about us not owning this place 24 hours a day, is you can't call this the church. This is a former school that on Sunday mornings we come together in. This is not the church. The vineyard is not a place you go. The vineyard is a community that you belong to. I want that to always be true of who we are. I think the day that we become a place people go instead of a family that we belong to, we're immediately irrelevant. If this becomes a destination instead of a family to belong to, we should close the doors. Sell all this stuff. Give the money away to somebody that wants to be relevant in their community. God forbid that ever happened to us, that we would ever be a place that you go rather than a community you belong to. And I think that there's a lot to that. It means that we actually care about each other, that we actually get to know each other, that we actually look out for each other, that we go, hey, man, you don't seem like you're doing okay. Are you okay? And that we actually care about the response. That's who we are. Third thing is that we would be people who move uh, and live life in in authenticity, that we actually live our lives out of who we really actually are right? We don't, want, we don't want to pretend. You know, any of you ever go to the doctor and you, you go with something that you have that's the matter, right? You show up at the doctor and you got like, I don't know, you have a sore foot, right? And you get to the doctor and, and the, the doctor's like, well, what are you here for? Oh, nothing. I'm not here for anything. Certainly not here for my foot. Who does that? And yet we show up to church and we try to pretend like we've got it all together. Friends, that's not going to make any difference in the world at all. I want to be somebody that makes a difference in the world, don't you? That we would be people who, who show up with who we actually are, warts and all. You know the thing I loved about faith walking the past couple of days is like just how honest it calls you to be about who you are. There's this section it really messed me up, Okay there's this section where they talk about you spend time with God in solitude and you write down the characteristics of your public self. All right. And then you write down the characteristics of your private self. This is like, you know, your close family knows these parts of you. And then you write down the characteristics of your secret self. And we all, I mean, I am think as I say that, you probably are going, oh, yeah, I got, there are things about my secret self that, Nobody knows, and that's probably why I've kept it a secret. Uh, But people don't actually know who I am. I realized as I did this, this exercise of public, private, and secret self, that I'm a, a scared little boy a lot of times. It feels like okay to say to you that I live a lot of my life like afraid of rejection. I live a lot of my life feeling lonely. And yet, I don't live my, like, I don't broadcast that, right? The way I actually live my life is I'm happy, things are good, and I've got lots of friends, and nobody ever rejects me. And yet, I've lived a lot of my life out of this secret self that's lonely and scared. I want this to be a place where we can be honest about who we are. I think that's who God calls us to be. And it's not so that we can like sort of be a pity party, but it's because I believe God intends to change us. I don't think we're supposed to stay that way. But the only way that happens is we say, here's what I'm hurting with. Would you pray for me? Would you care for me? Here's what I'm hurting with. Here's what's wounded me. And Jesus loves to meet you in that. Jesus loves to meet you in that. We need to be an authentic people. And of course, if we're going to do that, we need to be people who move with compassion. Right? We need to be a compassionate people. The, the biblical term for compassion is like, it's this like word that describes your guts. It's like moved in your guts. It's compassion is like moved from your intestines towards somebody. You know, like that that feeling you get whenever you see something that's so traumatic and you feel so much for them that you, so you get like a knot in your stomach. Have you ever felt that way for somebody? And that you care so much for the, the thing that they're experiencing, that we need to be a people who move in compassion toward people. And you can't fake that, right? You can't make that up. You, you, people can see that a mile away, Right? Oh man, I feel for you, brother. No, you don't. Yeah, you know, God be with you, brother. Like, how about you be with me? Amen. How about we be people who move with to, to into with compassion to other people? The only way we get that is encounter with Jesus. You can't make up compassion. It's you can't fake it. And the last thing that that, that of our values is that we would be focused on discipleship, you know, it was go and make disciples, not go and make converts, not go and make church attenders. It's go and make people who follow Jesus, you know, just with reckless abandon, that we want to be people who are committed to discipleship. And so we do a lot of things, like small group is one of those things where we continue to further our lives with Jesus through small group. That's not the only thing. We teach a lot of classes, right? We intentionally try to give you the tools where you can then engage those around you, right? I mean, how many of you have been through our How to Pray for People class? We're going to do that again. Or How to Hear from God, right? We have these classes where we're intentionally trying to teach people to do the things of the Christian life, how to share the gospel we've started teaching. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. We've started to try to teach you guys the things that we need to effectively move as followers of Jesus. Discipleship, it's a core value of ours. But So I say all of those things and take time to remind you of who it is that we're called to be, who this church is, because those things haven't changed. And yet you can sense that there's something that has changed, right? Like we've moved into this room. It's dark in here, first of all. Something has changed. Something's changed, right? Like worship feels different in this space, doesn't it? Everything's a little bit different. Something has changed, and I want to read a passage of scripture to you out of First Corinthians. And this is Paul talking to the Corinthians in chapter nine, and uh, I think Steph put it on the screen so it'll just show up for you. Oh, oh! By the way, we still have Bibles. In case you're wondering, they're just now up here next to me, which makes it a little less comfortable to come get one. <laughs> we'll fix that. Uh, so, so if you want, you can turn to your Bibles, but it's 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. This is Paul. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I want to talk just, just ever so briefly about that. Paul talks about becoming all things to all people for the sake of winning some. There's something about us moving into this place that says we want to become whatever it takes to become to win those in this neighborhood. Right? It's, I mean, that's, that's why we're doing this. It's not because this is a cooler place or, um, um, you know, I don't know, a more convenient location. Right? We're doing this because if you look around at the neighborhood, don't you think people need to know Jesus? And so we are at some level trying to become all things to all people so that we can win some. But here's the thing: the only way Paul does this, the only way Paul goes and he says, like to the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. And to the to those under the law, I became like those under the law, and to win. To to those not under the law, I became like those not under the law. To the weak, I became weak. The only way you can do that and not lose yourself is because you know who you are in Jesus. That before we ever begin moving out of this place into the neighborhood for the sake of those who need to know Jesus, we need to understand at the core of who we are that unchangingly we are connected to Jesus and He is making us into a new creation. That the things that I talked about first... That that's who we are. And we're not going to change who we are. And at the same time, for everything else, we can move as whoever we need to move as for the sake of people meeting Jesus, right? That we can become like those living on a hill. I, I thought that was funny. Never mind. <laughs> I can't tell you how many of you came into the room this, this morning going, those hills are serious, how many of you thought you were going to fall down the hill? Honestly? A handful? I uh, I pulled up onto the hill this side this morning and Jerry got out and went around the back and I was on some of that like cinders and the car was in park and it started to slide down the cinders. <laughs> she, she panicked for a second. Um, but we become like whatever we have to become without losing who we are, right? And so I guess the thing that, I'm, I, I, that I want to say is as we move forward, we need to remember who it is that we are. And we're not here for us. If you're in this room, we want you to meet Jesus, but we want you then to, we're here for other people. We're here for the neighborhood. Otherwise, we could have just stayed in a train station, Right?